0: Today's episode is sponsored by Podcorn. I'm excited to introduce you all to Podcorn. It's a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, ranging from interview segments to topical discussions and more. My absolute favorite feature is that there's no middleman. No matter the size or who the audience of your podcast is, you can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform that best fits you. It's super easy to browse your site, and I love how it's a one-stop shop for sponsorship opportunities, and it gives me the freedom to set my own rates. I can also collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. Their mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. So make sure to click the link in my episode notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities for your podcast or brand. You can also visit their site by typing podcorn.com in your search bar. Thank you so much to Podcorn for sponsoring the podcast. I really hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode.
1: You know, I was asking one of my friends, and do you ever think, like, what will you leave behind? You know, you ever think, like, what will I leave behind when I'm gone? And she looked at me and she said, no. And I was like, really? And she's like, I don't want to be immortal. She said, I just, I do often think about what prayer I will leave behind, what prayer I'll leave the next generation. And I was like, whoa, what prayer will you leave behind? And I think that's like the prophet peace be upon him, how many prayers did he give us? Like that's the real gift. One of the real gifts of his presence is he left us so many prayers. He made so many prayers for me and you before we were even, our souls were put into bodies. And I think the Quran is just like one of those gifts that came through him for us from Allah. And so for anyone out there who's like, how do I have a relationship with the Quran? I'm dropping the ball. I don't know how. And just ask God for help. He can do in an instant what no one can do in a billion lifetimes. He can choose to turn your heart to His, and your life is forever changed.
0: It suddenly became clear to me that the whole purpose of faith is not to be good enough before we begin on the path to God, but for us to come with all of our deficiencies to God, knowing that only He can fill in our gaps through His mercy. You're listening to Unsweetened and Unfiltered, the podcast, episode 2 of season 3. The words that I had just spoken are a quote taken from the book, Secrets of Divine Love. It's with gratitude that I introduce to you our special guest, which is the author better known as A. Halwa. She's here to talk about the notion of how we were not created to find God, rather we are to remember and to return to the relationship we already had with God, how to overcome the root of all suffering, which is attachment, and how to reconnect with the Quran. It's a beautiful thing how your friendships evolve as you grow into the person you aspire to be. The woman I am today is grateful for the friends I am surrounded with. I say this because aside from praying, aside from reading religious contexts, aside from trying my best to do dick in my moments of reflection, I have friends and sisters who remind me of my Creator. In almost every gathering we mention God, alongside our shortcomings but without any judgment present. I can't help but to stress how important it is to be cautious of who you surround yourself with. Have you ever heard the statement that you are the average of the five people you choose to call your friends, and these friends will either be your circle or your cage? What I mean by that is either they are your circle of friends who truly want the best for you, who challenge you to be better, who hold you accountable, and who remind you of God. Or are they metaphorically friends who form a cage, closing you in, hindering you from becoming the best version of yourself, who allow you to drown in your limiting beliefs, and who only distance you from Allah? My relationship with God is the most important relationship I will ever have in my life. And this is why every relationship outside of that will only exist if it reminds me of my creator. A friendship is only as beautiful as it is rooted in faith. There have been moments in my life where I struggled with faith. Moments that turned into nights of tear-soaked pillowcases. My heart yearning for Allah, but it was shame that sealed my lips tight. Not allowing me to call out to God. It was in those moments, fortunately, that my heart did the talking for me. After all, it is only Allah who can translate the du'as we have hidden away in the corners of our hearts. The du'as we trick ourselves into believing that we are not worthy of. It's in those moments of weakness that we get to witness the strength of Allah, the mercy of Allah, and the love of Allah. There is a quote that I once read that truly brought ease to my heart and has changed how I view my hardships, and it goes like this. Imagine if heaven is planned for you, written for you, meant for you. And so what if you struggling right now is just part of the plan? What if these trials are preparing you for a much better life, where mountains are made of musk and your youth never fades away? What if all of this is for the better, for eternal happiness, for ultimate success, for paradise? In this discussion, I have a virtual sit-down with A. Halwa, the author of Secrets of Divine Love, this is a conversation I have been wanting to have and it's an honor that she is my special guest for today's episode. Her words in this book have truly touched my heart and awakened my soul. It's not every day that you come across a book other than the Quran that can speak to you in such a way. The moment I read the first chapter, I quickly devoured every page after that. In this episode, I ask Halwa the questions that I have been yearning to have answered. We talk about the concept of Allah's door always being opened, how if only we realize that all we have to do is just walk through it. We also discuss why are we so quick to put our trust in Allah's creations, yet hesitant in putting our trust in Him, the same Creator who owes us nothing yet breathes life into us every single day. Halwa touches upon how to remove the veils that prevent us from connecting to God, and how the Quran not only teaches us how to experience God, but how to interact with God. I truly hope this conversation only lifts your spirits up. I just want to say thank you to such a beautiful sisterhood, from the guests to the listeners who open their hearts only to spill kindness onto these conversations and this platform. I will forever be grateful for this tribe. May we always feel supported and loved through our vulnerabilities and shared struggles. Let's dive in. You know, I've said this over the phone, hello. it's not every day that you get to talk to the author of your favorite book. The book that you wrote, Mashallah, Secrets of Divine Love, is a book that I'm always going to kind of go back and I've earmarked a lot of pages and I feel like whenever you go through something in life, it kind of changes your perspective. And it's beautiful to go back to, you know, reading your book and kind of like look at this hardship or whatever it is from a different point of view, from a different light. And I truly appreciate you. I truly appreciate the words that you've written. And I can't wait to have this conversation with you. If you can introduce yourself. I mean, obviously, everybody knows you as the person who wrote this incredible book. But I feel like I kind of also want to know where this idea came from. What inspired you to write this beautiful book?
1: Assalamu alaikum, And thank you for having me on. Um, It's always just such a gift to connect with the different readers of this book. And it always feels like we're friends somehow between the pages or across the screens. And yeah, so I'm just really grateful. And I guess in the introduction of myself, my name is A. Helwa. I'm the writer of Secrets of Divine Love. I run an Instagram page called Quran Quotes Daily. And essentially the inspiration of the book, actually, if you believe it or not, was an accident. I was working on a uh, typography book based on verses of the Quran. And I just saw that there was this need to have just cool graphics of English verses of the translated from the Quran. And so I started working on this project and now we have around like 50 designers on it. But as I was working on that, people were asking me, you know, this is a really cool verse. What does it mean? What's the context? What does it imply? And so I started actually next to all the graphics, writing entries in my journal about the different meanings and and asking teachers and traveling to try to find the deeper dimensions of the verses. And as I was doing that, it ended up becoming obvious that that couldn't be a book because it would be like seven, 800 pages long. And so this Secrets of Divine Love kind of just came out. Some may say accident, some may say it was like a coincidence. I always liked this particular quote that one of my friends said, she said that um, a skeptic says coincident, but the believer says, you know, the divine choreography. But sort of where it came from, really, it was, in a sense, divine choreography. And that's how I feel. I feel like this book, I mean, yeah, you
0: have to be skeptical to believe it was a coincidence. I feel like it was destiny for you to write it. It was destiny for you to explore the side of our faith or just to explore our faith in general. And I do believe in destiny. I'm trying to really start to live my life in believing that everything, I know this sounds cliche, but that everything happens for a reason. But you know, more often than not, when something good comes my way, I say, thank you, Allah, right away. But when a hardship comes my way, I wish I can get to the point and I'm trying to reach that point where right away as when I used to say thank you Allah for every good that comes into my life I want to be able to say guide me Allah whenever any hardship comes into my life because he is ultimately you know the best of all planners so I feel like anything that befalls you befalls you for a reason and I feel like subhanAllah like it was meant for you to write this book and specifically at this point in your life I know you said this was a few years back that you wrote it correct?
1: Yeah. So I love what you said, though. I love what you said about no matter what you're faced with, that you're essentially called to return to Allah. And I think one of the things about this book, you know, it always feels weird when people say this book that you wrote, because I think in the introduction, I talk about it feeling like something that that God wrote through me. And people sometimes mistake that as, what do you mean God wrote it through you? What I'm trying to say with that is like. There is no way me, Helwa, like with all my deficiencies, could have done this on my own. That's what I mean is that without God's guidance, without him putting, consistently putting the right types of people, the great teachers and professors that just out of the kindness of their heart, influenced by divine generosity, that gave this girl who has no real, I don't have a PhD in Islamic sciences, but they... Spent time like they would with their students with me, making sure that these ideas were correct and that they were in alignment with the Quran and the Sunnah, and the teachings that we know to be true. And so it's like, how could that happen? I couldn't do that on my own. It really is. Look, it makes me think, like, do we
0: believe that things happen on accident when our creator is a higher being that, that creates everything with a purpose? Like even you just waking up today, there's a reason why Allah decided that you can have another day to right your wrongs, or this is another day, I don't know, for you to experience something. Is there a fine line between assuming something's on accident or should we believe everything does have a purpose? I guess it's like how you want to live your life. How do you want to perceive your life? Because if I feel like everything's an accident, if I feel like, oh my God, I'm not deserving of this hardship, or it was because of me that I went through this or whatnot, I feel like, I don't know, it kind of, you, you start to dwell in despair. But if you start believing that, you know, somehow, some way Allah is choreographing everything, Everything. But again, obviously, we have free will. So, you know, to a certain extent, Allah may be choreographing things, but it's up to us to choose which path we want to follow. But I think that's a beautiful reminder. And something that, you know, your book touched upon, and I thought it was really important, is to talk about how Allah's door is always open. I think this is something that I started to recently really like delve into and, and explore and understand that. I, I never liked that quote where it said, like, the teacher is always quiet during a test. And it's like, um, I believe it was Delia Mujahid who said, I don't believe in that because God is truly never quiet when we are being tested through whatever hardship or whatever obstacle that we're going through. And I feel like sometimes we think that when we're going through a hardship, this is a moment where Allah closed the door on us. And now we're just out in, out in the wild all by ourselves trying to, like, figure this out. Can we explore this, this idea of Allah's door always being open and why you found it to be very important to even talk about this in your book?
1: I love that. I, I think that you bringing that up is incredible because I think a lot of times we have this notion that when things are going good, God is happy with us. And when things are going difficult, God is mad at us. We're looking at God in a way that He is a human being. And when we say things like, if you don't pray, God hates you. I have a problem with a statement like that because I think what you're saying is that your action as a human being can affect how the divine chooses to be with his creation. And the Quran is very strong on God being independent from all of his creations. And so God's love is a quality of his. It stays. It does not change. He does not have human emotions that go up and down. We, the variability that we experience in our life, is a function of, of our actions. The variability we experience in our faith is a, is a function of our humanity, not God's divinity. And I think that needs to be clear. And I think for some people, that's like very, such a, is a very um, provocative statement. They think, how could you say that? How could you say that God loves and that stays no matter how a person acts? And what I say to that always is that, um, you know, if I go down deep into the basement of my house, 20 feet down with no windows. There is no light. And I live in sunny California. So at 2 p.m. there's a lot of light, but I don't experience that light in the basement. And so our actions prevent us from taking in and being receptive to divine light. But divine light does not change. God doesn't stop loving you when you turn away. The sun doesn't stop shining when the earth, you know, turns its in its orbit, on its axle. And so if the created world around us, as Allah says, calling us to contemplate on the created world around us, if we look at the world around us, we'll see that this is always in play, that things experience things, not objectively, but through subjective reality. And so when you say, you know, God's love is not dependent on our actions, but his love, it is his love that inspires us to not to begin with. It means that God's always the doer that we're always the receiver of his goodness. This moment, as you're speaking and you're inspiring me, there is an element of, yes, Dunya, she's inspiring. She's a beautiful heart. Your listeners can feel that. And there's an element that I cannot forget, that Allah is reflecting his beautiful qualities through you in a mysterious way. And so in that moment, suddenly you become the most important thing in front of me because you become a moment in which God's manifesting something of his brilliance to me. And so then there's this infused sacredness into the moment. And that can't help but move you, even if the person in front of you is screaming at you or loving you, because there's something sacred that God chose to have them breathe every single moment that he chose for their heart to be. And there's this Incredible moment of you're just humble. How could you not be? How could you not be like moved by that? Subhanallah, I'm like
0: so moved by what you just said. Just to look at human beings or your your counterparts to look at them in that light that they're they are a creation of Allah. That just that alone, we should be able to be kinder with one another, we should be understanding with one another, but not only that, but we should be just appreciative of who we have in our life uh, regardless if, you know, we don't have the best relationship with them right now, or we have the best relationship with them right now it's everything is the doing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you know, we're limited as human beings, as much as as much free will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us in hour we're still limited we even have limiting beliefs of our own selves, and if, if we are like that, uh, how do you think we're going to view our creator if we continue to be limited towards ourselves and how we look at ourselves and view ourselves. But if we were to look at our creator and understand like subhanAllah, like Allah is the one that created me. He's the reason why I'm living and breathing. And there is a reason and there is a purpose like of all the billions of people out there He is still chosen to allow me to wake up today. How can I not value myself? How can I not give myself any worth when the creator himself is giving me worth? I mean, are we better than our creator? Of course we're not. Majority of my thought process and everything like that, subhanAllah, has really truly come from your book. Of course, it's a supplement to the beautiful Quran, but I just love how you worded things and whatnot. And one of them you said was something along the lines of how the distance between us and God is created from forgetfulness. You know, we're not perfect human beings. There are moments where we felt very distant from God. its I don't want to say it's shameful to say, i because I, I don't want to put anybody down who feels that way right now. I don't want them to feel lost and alone. But can we kind of dive into that a little bit further? Why do we reach points in our lives where we are forgetful of Allah? Is it voluntary? Is it involuntary? And what can we do to kind of start walking towards back
1: to Allah? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I feel like the human being was, you know, when we were in this pre-eternal realm where Allah is asking us, am I not your Lord, right? And we're all, we all say, yes, you are. There is this moment of, it's mysterious. It's almost like magical in the sense that we are in this unity. We're all singing that same song of faithfulness. And then what happens is those souls, the spirits, they're dropped into bodies that now have manifested separation. But in reality, if you really think about it, if you look at existence through the eyes of atoms, it's all just a bunch of atoms. That the distinctions that we make with this is this organ and that organ, and this is my body, Dunya's body. But if we were standing in front of each other through the eyes of that molecular, it would just be like a bunch of atoms. Like we have perceived separation, and so in the same way with Allah, we have this sense that we are separate, that we bought in to the material world of separation. You know, I was telling my friend the other day, I said, I live in California, born and raised, went to school in Los Angeles. And so there's this great emphasis on outward look and money and beauty. And I always told my friends, you know, I'm so lucky to have such beautiful friends because you guys compete with each other, but I get to enjoy all the hard work you put in at the gym (laughs) because I'm (laughs) the one looking at you when we talk. I'm the one looking at you like I get to appreciate the conversations when all our all the girls get together and we're hanging out and having tea. It's like all that work and all that envy that you put in, like you don't even get to enjoy your own face. The people around you do. And so what I always say is it's such a blessing. I get to I'm so grateful for that. Why would I compete? You know, because there's no separation. I get to enjoy your successes as your friend just as much as you do. And sometimes I apologize. I'm so sorry. I'm so excited for you, the things that you're achieving, because there is no real separation at its core. And so that comparison that we feel that comes from this idea of separation, right? Interesting when you look, comparison leads to judgment and judgment leads to you focusing on what you lack. And when you focus on what you lack, you're not grateful for what you have. And so now you're even further. And that's why The opposite of disbelief in the Quran is gratitude because gratefulness returns you to your origin. It returns you to being aware of the light of God's blessing upon you. And so the human being forgets because it focuses too much on its eyes that are in its face. And its two eyes see the world split, but the eyes of the heart, it doesn't see that way. And so when you return from the outward eyes to the inward ones, Then instead of sight, you have insight and you start to see the world as it is one. And this dance between separation and unity, separation and unity, this expansion and contraction is how Allah chose to create this world. Because it is through that dance that you even value unity. You know, if you never left your mother or you know, husband, whoever it is that you really, really loved, if you never left their side, you wouldn't know. If you didn't experience that separation, you wouldn't truly know the value of them. You would have a sense of the value, but you couldn't truly know that value. And so Allah teaches us through opposites. He says, I created everything in pairs. That he teaches us through Jamal, the beauty of his qualities and his jalal, the, the majesty. He, he, the two wings of the bird help it fly. It's like these opposites. And so when you say, you know, why is it that we forget? Is because forgetfulness is almost a gift. The moment you remember, it reminds sweetness of what you have. Subhanallah, because it's true.
0: Like everything is a gift, even even in the moments that you feel shameful because you forgot Allah, even that is a gift that you knowingly know that you forgot Allah. That there is that guilt that starts to settle in your heart, and then those thoughts start going off in your mind. It's it's beautiful that it's still a gift that Allah out of you no know, matter how far you veered away from Allah, you know, that He still calls you. He still wants to bring you back. He still tries to light the path back to Him. That's why I feel like it's such a beautiful way to learn about our faith in the way that you view Allah through the lens of just love and light. And this is your creator who truly, truly showers you with the mercy and forgiveness. You know, when I was younger, I just honestly, I I feared Allah. I I feared him so I had no connection. I had no relationship with Allah. You know, it's just something that, not something, it's, it's a higher being that my parents used to speak of. It was a way for them to tell us, hey, you have to pray. Do good things for the sake of Allah and whatnot. And I'm like, I'm doing things for a higher being that I have no connection to Allah. This was when I was younger. And but here now, when you're when you're older and you're able to explore certain ideologies and and certain parts of your life and you get to do it on your own, it's beautiful the things that you come across. And for me, it was my relationship with Allah. And one of the things that you also mentioned was how, like Allah emphasizes his name, the most merciful. Over his name, the most loving. Yes, the most loving is still part of his name, but he he also emphasizes specifically the fact that Allah is is the most merciful. You said something along the lines of it's in our weaknesses that we taste God's strength, which you just brought up about the fact of being forgetful. And it's in our shortcomings that we experience God's perfections, and it is in our brokenness that we feel God's mercy. And I think that's when I really truly tasted the sweetness of Allah's mercy, is when I was completely broken, quote unquote. But there was one story that you mentioned, and it was a samurai story. Obviously, you had so many stories in there. I absolutely loved every one of them. But the samurai story, can you talk about that one? Because I really loved it. I, I just, it was such a simple story, but it's its interesting how the simplest of stories hold the most truth and they just kind of stick with you.
1: Mm, yeah. So I think just one of the things that you pointed out around our weakness, turning us to God's strength is that our humanity we struggle to accept our humanity. You know, we have in our culture like this desire for perfection, right? We reach to be perfect. If it's not perfect, it's not good enough that we don't allow ourselves to break apart, break down. We we shame it. We, we try to think our way through it. We try to use every tool in our toolbox to like prevent that humility entering vulnerability. And I always think it's interesting because it's a shame because that's really, that's the door to God. And I think that when we're able to say, I am human, I am not perfect. You don't hear that at the mimbar. You don't hear an imam or a sheikh or a teacher say, let me tell you how I'm not doing great and how I there's so much more I can do. You hear, you better pray on time. You hear, you better add more fasts every week. You hear, and all those things are 100% valid. And I think we need to introduce this concept of being vulnerable, being broken being hurting and how that's normal. You are a human being longing for home. You are a soul. Like Rumi says, it's like you were a reed and you were pulled from the soil. And now you're singing a song of longing and despair. You know, we say it differently. The poet Hafez says that, paraphrasing, he says like every single person you meet, beneath what they say, they're really just saying, oh, will you please love me? Will you please love me? Will you pl-? But they say things like, how are you doing? And they say things like, Oh, I prepared the, um, you know, the project you asked me to, but really underneath everything is we're looking for the sense of, to be embraced, to be loved, to be accepted. And we have that with God. And yet we approach him like pretending that we're perfect, pretending that we have it together. Um, and he sees through that. I know like one Christian theologian, he said that God can't heal who you're pretending to be. (laughs) That's like, very confronting, you know, in a lot of ways. But what it ultimately speaks to is trust. Do you trust that God's got you? Like, do you trust that he sees you, that he's there with you in the hardest times? And the story of the samurai, that's the story. It's the story of the samurai and his wife going on a, on a boat and they're going across the ocean and these storms come, really, really bad storms. And the boat looks like it's going to capsize. And his wife's like freaking out. And she runs to find him on the boat and she sees him just calmly looking out at this crazy ocean, with huge waves. And she's like, how can you be so calm in an environment that's, this boat's going to flip and we're going to die. How are you so calm? And he looks at her and pulls his sword out and he puts it to her neck and she starts laughing, right? She's laughing and he's like, why are you laughing? And she's like, because I know you love me. You're not going to kill me. And he's like, Well, I too know I'm in the hands of the one who loves me. And so I trust him. That story particularly always like humbles me. Wow. Like when we're facing something, can we look at the Red Sea and say, I'm going to step into it and it's going to part for me. Like, can we stand in front of the Pharaoh with a stick and say, by the time this drops out of my hand, it's going to be a snake. Can we do that? Are we willing to trust God to that extent? Obviously we're not prophets. But their stories are showing us that it's through the prison that you reach the palace. You know, sometimes that's how it is. And to trust that the space in the prison is not unlike the seed when it goes into the ground and you can't see what's happening. And then it suddenly sprouts.
0: Thank you, Hadwa, for that. Honestly, thank you. First of all, your voice is so soothing. I could literally just sit here and just yeah. listen to you all day. And I think that's why that story was so powerful to me that I look at it and I'm like, that samurai signifies anybody in my life. And here I am, I put my trust in all my loved ones. And yeah, you know, I love my loved ones. They've always had my back. They've always been there for me. But I, I I'm so quick to put my trust in them without a question. But when it comes to my own creator... Why do I question that? Why do I hold on to the certain things in my life until my hands hurt from holding on to things that I shouldn't be holding on to? What I should be really holding on to is the fact that I should trust Allah, that anything that befalls me, that Allah has my back, that Allah is going to light the way for me. But why I, I struggle with that, I don't know. Because I mean, our entire existence is because our creator decided to, to create us, for us to live this life, for us to, you know, be devout Muslims and for us to try our best. You know what I mean? When I say devout, it's 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 still a struggle. It's just us trying trying to do our best. But again, I always, I, I laugh at myself but in in a lighthearted way. It's like I can quickly put my trust in my loved ones. But, you know, not even sometimes your loved ones. You can go on a skydiving trip here, Mm-hmm. And you decide to to trust an instructor to just fall out of a plane three thousand feet in the air. I don't know how many thousand feet, whatever. Nobody quote me on this, but it's just like, how can I sit here fall out of an airplane without any second thoughts? But here is my creator who created me, and I still have second thoughts about trusting my creator. It's it's crazy. It's it's you know, but it's something that you know you we sit down with these thoughts, and it's not we're not bad human beings, we're not bad Muslims. It's just like we're still navigating this world. But I want to understand who are we at our core. This is something that you've also touched upon in your book. And you mentioned the fact that, you know, not only were we made in heaven, but from heaven. SubhanAllah, that's just such a beautiful way to explain it. I do want to understand, like I've, I've asked this question before on our podcast, you know, what is our purpose? If we have a creator who doesn't truly need our prayers or anything like that, it doesn't negate his existence or benefit his existence, what is our purpose? And who are we at our core?
1: That is the million dollar question, billion yes. dollar question. I think. And I, I just wanted to just take a moment to, you know, the example that you're talking about with with skydiving, or trusting God, and and you know, it's easier sometimes to trust our our friends or our family. I think something that's sort of practical that tends to help me is that when I'm reaching for a friend or family or spouse, whatever it is, and I'm reaching for them, And I'm like, wow, I really I really trust this person. Like, I I take a moment. And I ask myself, what is it I'm reaching for? Is it their protection, their understanding, them to hear me, to see me, to embrace me, their mercy, their love? Once I identify that, I know exactly what I'm really reaching for is that quality that Allah is manifesting through them to really call me back to him. And so he's put this person in front of me. I call, I ask Allah, Allah, show me your love. And then he brings a friend or a parent or a sibling, whoever into my life showing me that deep care and compassion. And what we do is we forget where it's coming from. I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but it's like, you know, you're walking down the street and suddenly you feel this inclination to call a friend and you haven't talked to them. And sometimes you're like, that's so weird. Like, I don't know if I'm going to message them. That's so weird. So for like this whole year, I just said yes to that every time I felt it. And I would write these hand letters, handwritten letters to people. And they're like, Ooh, your letter got to me like in the most significant moment. And I'm like, that's not me at all. Like that. And I, I think that it's even, it's this holy moment. If God is calling you, then maybe he's using you as a way to answer a prayer that they had. Does God need you to answer their prayer? No, he doesn't. But if he blesses you at the moment to do that for someone to play that position, like that gratitude's crazy. Like it's, it's wild. It's just really wild. And so I think trusting that intuition, even if it's sometimes like, you know, remember I was like this cashier who I was printing something and she wasn't doing it right. And she kept messing up my print and I was frustrated with her. And I I was frustrated in a way where I was like a little strong with my feedback on her not printing it the way I wanted. And like instantly I felt bad. I was like, wow, you know, I didn't honor her holiness, but I was like embarrassed. Like I didn't want to, I don't know what to say. This is like, random cashier in this random part of town, you know, like, and I just like, it felt so strong in my heart. It's like, you have to ask for forgiveness. Like, mm. this is so, it all like counterculture in a way. And I'm like, all right, this is the moment where you just get humbled, <laughs> you know, get it. And I just tell her, I'm like, yo, I'm so sorry. Like I, I'm just frustrated and I'm running out of time for this project. And I'm just so sorry. Like, I didn't mean to be like strong. I know you probably deal with all these people. And I was just thought that was going to be it. And she started crying. Uh-huh. And it's like she had the hardest day ever. And she just needed one person to say, like, it's going to be okay. And is it on me? No. Do I have some sort of credit for that? I don't think so. But Allah's showing me in that moment, like, be humbled and trust me. I'm going to show you something. Follow the steps. And I think coming to the question of who are you, I think the Quran tells us that you were created to worship Allah, you were created to be a representative of his. And if you follow in the example of the Prophet, peace be upon him, you're called to be a mercy to all worlds. What does that look like for you? It means, in my opinion, simply put that in every moment, you're aware that this exists because Allah loves you and that he wants you to see yourself and to experience something of him. And how you experience his qualities of generosity is by being generous. How you experience his mercy is by being merciful. When we reach to Allah and we say, Allah, please shower me with your mercy, but then we want to choose full power justice when someone wrongs us, better be careful. If we're reaching for mercy from Allah and only giving justice to others, because we experience him depending on how we interact with the creation. Of course, we're we're given the right of having justice if our rights are taken. And to keep in mind that, we are merciful to people. Allah shows His mercy on us, and that's something that the prophet, peace be upon him tells us. And so I, I think that who we are is a opportunity to serve Allah, and through that service of God, to see the sacred, mysterious essence that words can't capture, that we're something beyond language, that at its core, Yes, we're called to be mercy. Yes, we're called to worship God, to experience his love, and from that love to be enamored into worship like a flower. It just blossoms when the light touches Mm it. It's not forcing itself to do that. To be at a place where we're in our essence is to live in praise. We become a manifestation of beauty, and that's that's what we are um, at our core. And no matter what people say, no matter the opinions of people or the judgments of people, that's who we are. No matter the actions that veil us, no matter the past that veils us, no matter the mistakes that we've done or the words we said that we wish we could take back, beneath it all, that's who we are. A diamond covered in coal, but there's still a diamond underneath it.
0: Subhanallah, halwa. That was just such a beautiful moving story because how often throughout our day do we interact with people and it's interesting that you could be the reason that you could change their day around or you can be somebody that made their day even 10 times worse because you don't know what hardships people are carrying how heavy their hearts are or what's on their mind you truly don't know anybody's life story like i'm sitting in front of you right now but i don't know what you've gone through this past week you don't know how my week has been and anything could trigger us each one of us and subhanAllah, it's like we ask Allah for forgiveness, for mercy, for this, for that, and whatnot. But what have you given to his creations? Because you can't look at human beings as just human beings or, oh, I don't like this person. They've done me wrong. Or I like her. She's done this, this, and that. You have to view them in the lens of, this is somebody that Allah purposefully created. So how can we decide to treat each other horribly. Sometimes, yeah, like I, nobody's perfect. Sometimes we do get in shouting matches with our loved ones. And yes, in that moment, some, and like you said, in that moment, you wish that you could take it all back. But somehow we we do not allow a sorry or um, or an apology to escape our lips. We make sure mm. kind words like that don't find an escape route. And the harsh words somehow, oh, we're, they just come splittering. Yeah, they just come right out. And it's like, why is that? Why why do we have this anger displacement where maybe sometimes certain things are not going in our life and we take out that anger on our loved ones are right there, you know, within a hand's reach. And I, I often think about that. And that's something that I wanna do better at. And I think oftentimes we need to be a little bit more open with our shortcomings. And I think that's one of my shortcomings, you know, cause it's, it's true. You don't understand the value of something or someone until it finally departs your life. And when you are no longer able to say whatever you truly wanted to say. The things that you, the words, the kind words that you kept nestled beneath your tongue, you wish that you just blurted them out. And I think that's such a beautiful way to live, what to be able to, to put your pride and ego aside and to be able to apologize to the person. Just even just being kind and giving people a break. The other day, somebody hit me from the back and oh, you know how that feels when it's like, do I really have time for this? Like a car accident, I don't have time for this. I got out and I don't know, I just looked at the man and I was like, you know, Walla, uh, like, what am I going to get out of being angry at him? Clearly it was an accident. That's why it's called an accident, you know? And I just looked at him, I'm like, you know what? I, I'm like, are you okay? And he's like, I'm okay. I'm like, then I'm okay too. I'm like, we're both okay. Thank God it wasn't worse than what it is. And I'm like, let's just go about our ways because I'm not going to be this harsh person asking for your insurance, being angry at you and and yelling at you. What What's done is done. The damage is done. So I don't know why sometimes... We think our words, our harsh words are going to fix anything. They actually make things worse. I think that's, okay. that's something that, you know, we need to have a relationship with ourselves and, and kind of understand that, you know, why are we the way that we are sometimes? Sometimes, yeah, we might be good people and sometimes we're not the best. But one thing that I think that I'm also guilty of, and this is something you mentioned, is, you know, we fall into despair when we choose to swim against the current of God's will. You know, I think a lot of people struggle with this, what we want versus what Allah knows we need. And, and you know, because Allah Subhanallah is a higher being. He's not somebody that's going to be right there in front of your face telling you, this is what you want, this is what you don't want, this and that. You know what I mean? So sometimes it's, it's hard. You feel like you're alone when you're trying to make certain distinctions or decisions in your life and whatnot. And sometimes you feel like, why do I always go down the wrong path? You know, how can we start, trusting in, in Allah's plan and you know shifting our perspective from what God is doing to us versus what God is doing for us?
1: That's another great, great question. Uh, I just wanted to say that uh, it's not easy when someone also, when someone gets in an accident and you know, you're going around your day and to stop and to choose the higher road on that. So I think it's important to celebrate when people do that because I think as Muslims too, we don't enjoy what is right. Like we don't celebrate that. We're like, oh, you're expected to do that. <laughs> it's like, mm, so people, so like all the things they struggle and they try to do well. People are like, well, you should have, you know. <laughs> and it's like they only get, you know, berated when they do things wrong. And so I think it, I think it's awesome that you did that. I've been in accidents before. It's like not pleasant, and they don't think no. it's easy. And so that's that's definitely a win. And, and and being grateful that the difference with someone who does act like that and someone who gets out of the car screaming is God's blessing. That's like the difference. that God blessed you in that moment with the awareness and that's what made the shift. And so when it comes to how we deal with family, et cetera, I just wanted to say this quick thing is as Muslims, if we can focus more on our responsibility instead of our rights with one another, there'll be way more harmony. Because a lot of times we say, you know, you owe me this or my rights as of this. And that's totally fine. And there's definitely a place for that. I'm not saying I 100% stand by human rights, and especially with everything happening with racism, and all that I stand for. And we have to ask ourselves what our responsibility is because as horrible in this realm as how somebody treats us can be in the next life, we're not asked about how somebody treated us. We're only asked about how we responded and it may have been to respond very strongly. That's what Allah is going to ask us. So if someone like our parents say something really harsh sometimes, Allah is not going to ask us what they said. He's going to be like, what did you, how did you respond? And it's not always to walk away, you know, with certain environments. Maybe you are asked to speak truth, you know, to the oppressor, for example. But we need to focus on our responsibility. And when you focus on responsibility, your mindset is shift. There's a shift in that. And so I think that's like, that's the, because there you're like my rights, you know, he crashed my car, he crashed into my car. Like you could go that route or you could just be my responsibility as a human being today is not to make this person's life any difficult, more difficult. It's okay. Like I can live with it, you know? I just wanted to say that. But yeah.
0: Also, it's not about being a people pleaser. I don't want people thinking like, oh, so that means like Allah loves me if I allow people to walk all over me or just be kind. No, no, no. Just assess each circumstance. Each circumstance, each situation is unique. So for our instance, Halwa, you and I, that th- those situations were unique. You know what I mean? So I don't want people thinking that we're pushing this narrative of being a people pleaser. No, no. Like Allah still wants you to have a firm backbone and to still stand up for yourself you know life is all about balance you know what I mean so even our when it comes to our faith it's all about balance
1: I like 100% agree with you and I'm really happy that you brought that up because I think sometimes when you're talking about that people think okay in every scenario then no matter what anyone does to me then I have to forgive them and like that's not what I mean at all actually the Dalai Lama once said this beautifully he said someone asked you know how do we hold compassion but how do we keep people accountable and he said you always hold the action accountable, like you have to look at the action and hold it accountable, but you always have compassion for the doer. So you can be very, hold someone accountable for crashing into your car, of course, but do you still hold that person as a creation of Allah? Someone may have wronged you and you, you may have to do the whole way and hold them to the justice. That may be the calling for you, but can you amidst all that still see even a percentage that they are a creation of Allah? Like, could you be aware of that amidst that? And that's really the calling because you see the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, you have, you know, Moses, you all these people, different people, hold people accountable, but they don't let go of the mercy. They don't let go of the love. And that's what we're called to do, I think. So I'm happy that you brought that up. That's definitely important. This notion of switching to be focused on what Allah is doing for us instead of seeing outward circumstances as something that happens to us, All comes down to awareness. And what I mean when I say awareness is when you're in a constant state of conversation with Allah, you're enrolled into the idea that nothing happens by accident like we've spoken about. And that in every moment, Allah is speaking to you, that he is near you, that he is with you. The Quran says He is with you wherever you are, that he is closer to you than your jugular vein, that this entire world was created so that you could get to know him. God doesn't waste time. There's no reason that he would waste time. He doesn't waste words. He doesn't waste events. He doesn't waste your breaths. That every moment is a moment that you get to know him. And so when you see the world that way, then suddenly, you know, I was praying before we spoke. And towards the end of my prayer, I was like, oh, I hope I'm not late. Like that's that thought Mm -hmm. entered my mind. And I thought it was really interesting. So I could have just said, "Ah, oh, you know, I should have been more focused. Lost track. That last I had that thought. What I thought was fascinating was in that last moment, my thought was, I i not want to be late. To talk to who? To Dunya. That the thought wow. of the world <laughs> came into my mind, right? And it's like, isn't that true for us when we pray? The thought of the world, you know? And so it's like this, it's very interesting. It's like suddenly... It becomes meaningful information, something worth contemplating. And so no matter what you face, if you just stop, how you make that shift is what you're facing. Take a moment and ask Allah, Allah, what do you want me to see in what you've brought before me? If it's a boss who has some ridiculous request, or if it's someone yelling, if it's a parent who has a request, whatever it is, it's like, Allah, oh, what, what do you want me to see in this? And sometimes I've noticed that I feel guided to act much stronger than I feel comfortable. And then I just have to be present with all the feelings of inadequacy or whatever it is that comes up. And it's like, oh, I see. Maybe Allah wanted me to be aware of this place inside of me. I need to ask for his help in this place. And when you start to do that, then you start to see that God walks you. He's walks with you every single day. That he has not left you on earth to fend for yourself. But if you choose to see as things of the world is happening to you, then it's like you're always in defensive mode. There's no space for you to learn, for you to grow. You become a victim. And when you're a victim, you give yourself a way out from growth, I think.
0: That was beautifully said. I completely agree with you. I, I love these explanations because honestly, these are not things that I've ever thought of, you know, by myself or read anywhere. And I love the way that you kind of formulate your answers and whatnot. And it's just so interesting to have that depth to you to be able to, you know, just kind of just illuminate who you are as a creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I think something that, you know, was so interesting that I also read about in your book was, the, you know, just the fact that you know, maybe not word for word, but sometimes, me personally, like you know, some some days you feel empty. Some days you just things just don't feel right. Everything seems off, and sometimes you're just like you question this dunya. It's like well, you know what is going on in this world. What like when will we ever approach the hereafter? Am I even ready for the hereafter? That's another question in itself. But you said something along the lines of like our longing for something that this world has not been able to fulfill is the greatest evidence for a world beyond this realm. So there are people, of course, out there that probably don't believe in the hereafter, you know, might not even believe in a higher being, but everybody reached their own, everybody's on their own journey, but it's just subhanAllah, like it's interesting that, you know, our hearts will never feel contentment I mean, they'll feel a, a sort of contentment. It's more so gratitude, but we'll, we will never feel like, ah, you know, I'm so relaxed. I'm free of any worries, of any hardships, of anything. But that would never, that's never going to happen because we're still in this, you know, transitional phase. You know, it's it's that's why when you said that there is great evidence of another realm out there, and the other realm is the hereafter and our the heavens and and all that stuff. I think that's so interesting, but it also kind of brings me to the idea of the root of attachment. I think sometimes, you know, we're very attached to these worldly desires more than we would like to admit. And I just want to kind of talk about that and how do we navigate that part of our lives where, you know, sometimes even it's our heart and our mind, they're going against one another. And I don't know if the, you know, the reason or the issue is because of our attachment to this dunya, of us always being conflicted because we're not looking to our creator to guide us. Can we ever reach a point where our heart in our mind, these two entities within us, can we ever reach a point where they're at peace? And if so, how can we get to that point? And I guess my second part of the question is like, what do we do about this feeling of attachment to other human beings, other loved ones? And nobody's saying not to love your parents or your siblings or your spouse or whatnot, but how can we make sure that we still understand that these beings are mortal? What we should be really attached to is Allah at the end of the
1: day. Yeah, it's a great question. Man, you've got some wonderful questions. I, I think that attachment is like the basis of all spiritual paths. Essentially that's what every spiritual path I think with different words is addressing. Because I think at the core, I believe and I think that Islam makes a case for this is that we are innately good, that we were built and created from fitra, that God blew his mysterious roof breath into us and that we're animated into life because of him, because of his qualities, and attachments are the pathways, essentially, of forgetfulness, right? Like, when you're attached to something, it makes you forget. And if you remember, you'd be detached. And so if we see our attachments, whatever they are, as just a manifestation of forgetfulness, then we realize the way to detach is to remember. And what does remembrance look like, is the question. And to me, no matter what you're attached, this is like a practical way of looking at it is no matter what you're attached to. So, if we have somebody and they're an alcoholic, so there's a clear attachment to alcohol, right? There's a reaching for the bottle, but they're not actually reaching for what's in the bottle. Right? They're reaching for a quality that they attribute the drinking would give them. So, we might be like, okay, well, we're unconscious. What do you mean? But if you ask an alcoholic, um, what are you reaching for? they have different responses. A particular response you hear is, well, I'm just looking for a break from my reality. So are they reaching for alcohol, whatever, 80 proof, whatever, or are they reaching for a break for their reality? Well, we'd say what was more true is they're reaching for the break from their the reality. And why are you reaching for a break from your reality? And I, I just, I wanna be loved. I wanna feel safe. I don't feel safe. I don't feel taken care of. I feel lonely. And suddenly you realize that person is reaching right through that bottle for protection, for love, for the quality of God. They just got stopped with the veil of the bottle. They just got stopped with that attachment. For someone who's never been on Earth, if they landed on the planet and they looked at the sky and they felt warmth from the sky, but it was a cloudy day, they could attribute heat to the cloud. Because the cloud that's blocking the sun, they put their hand out and they feel heat. That mu- the cloud must be the source of heat, but it's not. It's just blocking the sun. And so I think of attachments as just reaching to these clouds as this, this form of heat, but it's the sun. It's the light. It's a law. And so when we see our attachments, if you're attached to your mother or to your income or to your house, what are you actually reaching for with this nice house? security, safety, I need to make my payments because I need to feel safe, what if I don't? All those are just at the core. If you investigate, it's gonna be a need that, that you could turn to Allah for. And, and so if you want to reduce your attachments, take the moment to address them, ask yourself questions, the why questions, until you get to that need, and then take that need to Allah. And when you start to fulfill the need through Allah, through your relationship with Allah, your grip to that thing starts to fall away. And for anyone who is in the United States, I'm not sure if this, they have the 12-step program in other countries, I'm sure they do, but one of the steps is to let go and let God. And that's like a core element in this program that's helped so many people leave addiction to drugs, people, and alcohol, is that core element. You have to reattach to something higher than yourself. Because the human being, guess what, was created to what? Worship. If you don't worship God, you're going to worship something else. You were created to worship. God created you to worship him. You may land on a cloud because that's your your essence is to worship. You need something to bow to. And that's why the mystics say that when you bow to Allah, that's when you become, when you're a slave to God, you become the king of creation. That when you bow to the ultimate, you actually leave slavery behind there's this notion like people don't like when they hear servant slave they get triggered because they think of america and the slave trade and they think of these things but relationship to god it's like ooh, when you become a slave to the master of existence you're you become free it's this weird dynamic right so
0: i i find it so interesting and so powerful that you brought up the point about You know, when you really go back to what are you worshipping, we're always worshipping something. But obviously, at the end of the day, we're supposed to be worshiping our creators, pan But if you're now worshiping your creator, you have to really sit down with yourself and what is it? What is calling your attention? What are or what are you giving all of your attention and your energy towards? Because it kind of almost in a way seems like that that's that's what you're worshiping. If you we are just on our phones scrolling all day long and we're missing prayers and we're just you know not doing any good deeds or helping out the community or anything like that, just you know little good things, and all we're doing is just just being online and wasting hours of online. And I'm only saying this because I feel like that's just like the world that we live in right now. It's just so, it's like a social media frenzy. I think that's like sometimes, yeah, sometimes I feel like when I've spent an hour on my phone, I'm like, how did I just waste an hour of my existence just aimlessly, like just scrolling? That's when I catch myself. The thing is when you do catch yourself, don't allow yourself to fall into despair. And what I mean by that is when you catch yourself, do not berate yourself. Don't put yourself down. Don't say, oh, I could be a better Muslim. I could have I missed prayer. I can't believe I did this, this. Don't berate yourself. It's just the fact that you're able to catch yourself. That's a blessing in itself. And try to just be a little bit more self-compassionate. And you know, you okay, understandably you lost an hour, but what are you going to do for the next hour? You know what I mean? So I think that's something that also, like, you know, yeah, we're we're in this like struggle of what are we worshiping? What are we, you know, putting our time and energy towards these days? It's it's such an interesting world that we live in. Honestly, younger me would have never imagined this world ever in a million years. And the thing is when it comes to our future, you know, it's it's in the hands of Allah. Like you can't just waste your present time, precious present time, wondering what your future holds. It's just, you know, in our present time, that's when we really should put our full trust in Allah. And I think what I really want to end this conversation on this beautiful conversation that I actually don't want to end at all. But I want to talk about the Quran. I think the Quran is something that I haven't really brought up too much on the podcast. And, you know, sadly, some of us can agree with this. Our Qur'ans can be collecting dust at this moment. And it's really sad because, you know, it's during Ramadan that you're hooked on it. You're opening it every night and you're reading it and whatnot. And then it's so sad that when Ramadan departs, it's almost as if like you've kind of detached yourself from the Quran. And this isn't for everybody. This, you know, some people are really amazing they do it every day they read Quran all all the time and whatnot but again you're not a horrible person if you don't but when it comes to the Quran what is your connection to it how do you stay connected to the Quran and what has it revealed for you because I know it's interesting you know everybody receives the same Quran the same text the same words but it's so interesting how we can all perceive and interpret the message differently depending on what point in our lives we're in. And you said it so beautifully that, yeah, the words of the Qur'an never change, but wherever you're stationed in your life, all of a sudden the meaning of the Qur'an kind of changes for you. You see it in a different light, in a different perspective.
1: The Qur'an is, um, it's hard to speak about because it's the inspiration of everything. The Qur'an being the recitation of God's words. It's His word that manifested everything into existence. Qur'an is how we we compiled and codified a, a revelation that God has specified for our time and for our existence now. But God has spoken everything. He consistently speaks everything into existence. And so when we talk about the Quran, it's like we have to talk about also the Quran of existence, of creation, that God speaks everything into forms, into, into manifestation. That you, it's perfect that your name is Dunya because you are a world. You are a universe. That there are orbits happening inside of you with the electrons and the atoms inside of you, that there is the circumambulation in you, that there is surrender in you, that you have no control over, that when you sleep, you do not have to think about breathing, that you are perfectly worked together, perfectly created by Allah in all of your beauty, both inner and outer, and that existence is the same that when we the reason the Quran constantly points to the look at the cloud, the thunder, the rain, the mountains, the seas, the grass, the ants, the bee, the spider, like look at the human being, it's consistently calling you to the manifested form of God's speech. And then telling you come to this book, realize that this book spills off its page. And even when you don't reach for that shelf to pick up this book, this holy, compiled, impossible book. That it still is the reason that you're walking, <laughs> that it's still the reason that you're existing. To me, it's like you cannot speak about the Quran, but it can speak to you even when you're not listening. And I think that one of the deep blessings of my life is that I get to see it everywhere. Like I have all these books, like every shelf, every nightstand, on my desk, in my office, like almost everywhere. There is a version of a Quran. And by version, I mean something that reminds me of it, a quote book, something. And for me, it's always helped to really surround me with it so that I always have an opportunity to reach over. I think sometimes we make it, which is helpful to create a time that you can read it. But sometimes we we mark out in our calendars when to be with God. It's something on a to-do list. When instead, it's like the calling is to be with God always and mark out when you have to work. And even when you work to be with God, like to not separate the mundane with what is divine, to not separate your world, to not departmentalize them because God doesn't do that. He's always there. And so it's, it's like having someone waiting at your door all the time and you just choose a few times in the day to open and talk to them. And they're like the most important thing in, in the universe. And I think what's really confronting is if you've ever met for work, I had to meet like royals, like British royals or whatever. And it's like standing in front of a prince or whoever, and everyone is in arms. They don't know what to do with hands. They don't know what to do with their posture. They feel uncomfortable. And it's like, this is just a human being. Exactly. There's no significance to this person if it's not their deeds, you know? But then with God, it's like, oh, like, all right, I'll just, you know, I'll move it to tomorrow, and so it's just being aware. I think for me, the relationship to the Quran is being aware that this is a miracle. It's an auditory miracle. And every single time I sit with like a teacher of mine or come across people in different countries that you know I plan to travel to, to sit at their feet, to hear them tell me things. I thought I knew this chapter. Like I thought I knew what that verse meant. And it's like, You didn't know because you didn't know how deep Arabic goes. This insane well of like beauty and the way to address it. And I asked him, like, how do you guys like, how did you get this knowledge? And it's always the same. I asked Allah for help. And so for anyone out there who's like, how do I have a relation with the Quran? I'm dropping the ball. I don't know how. And just ask God for help. He can do in an instant what no one can do in a billion lifetimes. He can choose to turn your heart to his words instantly. And your life is forever changed. You know, I was asking one of my friends and do you ever think like, what will you leave behind? You know, you ever think like, what will I leave behind when I'm gone? And she looked at me and she said, no. And I was like, really? And she's like, I don't want to be immortal. She said, I just, I do often think about what prayer I will leave behind. What prayer leave the next generation. And I was like, whoa, what prayer will you leave behind? And I think that's like the prophet peace be upon him, how many prayers did he give us? Like that's the real gift. One of the real gifts of his presence is he left us so many prayers. He made so many prayers for me and you before we were even, our souls were put into bodies. And I think the Quran is just like one of those gifts that came through him for us from Allah. And it's like, man, that's God sent you a letter And it's like sitting there and then we're like, I don't know why I'm created or where should I, like, what should I do next? It's right there. God, ask him for help and reach that, you know, so... SubhanAllah.
0: SubhanAllah. I would have never thought of that. You know, we think about what charities do we leave behind? If I plant a tree in my name, and, it, and it, those are all beautiful things, but it's like, how beautiful is it to leave behind the words of Allah too? What prayers do you have for your family, your loved ones, and just our ummah in general? Like, you know, we always say, look, our, our ummah is in shambles, but what prayer did you pray today for your ummah? What prayer did you say, Allah, please watch over us? Please guide us. There's so much atrocities going on. What are we doing wrong? How can we? right our wrongs? How can we soften our hearts? How about that? You know, I think that's that's so profound and so beautiful because, you know, we think of leaving physical, material things behind us and we never, and even when we think about our legacy, what is our legacy? What legacy are we leaving behind? You know, when our grandparents pass away, it breaks our hearts into million pieces because it's our grandparents that hold our families together. It's when we break at the seams that our grandparents have the thread ready to make sure they sew us all back together and it's sad when our grandparents pass away a lot of you know we we just all of a sudden just you know, we're not as close to our families anymore and whatnot. And I think that's the sad part that, you know, we always wish and wish and wish for things, but we never pray for them. We wish and say, Oh, I wish this, I wish that. But how about actually forming a sound prayer to Allah and saying, you know, just this instance, like my grandparents passed, Ya Allah, please make sure our families are always tight knit. Ya Rab, our health is always intact. And and I think that's just so beautiful, like to just leave this dunya with a bountiful of of prayers. Oh oh my God, your friend is amazing. And it's beautiful how you had that conversation with her to even have a conversation with a friend like that. I think it's beautiful to have friends or to be surrounded by friends where you can speak about God. I think we need to normalize that a little bit more. I've said this before. I love having friends and girlfriends who truly just open my eyes to the love of Allah to just in moments where sometimes you don't feel as connected to Allah, but let's talk about it. Let's have a good girl chat. You know what I mean? I think there's just so many ways to improve our relationship, our spiritual relationship and whatnot. I know, you know, nobody's asking anybody to just all of a sudden become this perfect Muslim overnight. that, That doesn't happen. You know what I mean? It takes time. And, you know, when you start departing from Allah, it doesn't happen overnight either. That also takes time. Everything takes time. And it's beautiful how you mentioned that the Quran, the revelations of the Quran took time itself, you know, to create the Quran, to put the Quran together. That took time. And there's a reason behind everything. So I... Honestly, can't thank you enough, Halwa, for this beautiful and necessary conversation. I genuinely admire you. And I just thank Allah every day for giving you this gift, for allowing you to produce such a beautiful book that really reconnected me with my faith and allowed me to see our faith in a different light. Um, I've always said this, I love faith-based books, but majority of them, you know, are a good refresher. I love them. They They give me a good refresher, but it's your book that truly just changed my perspective and made me think... About things that I usually don't think about. It's, it's beautiful, and I, I can't thank you enough. And I know our listeners will definitely enjoy this conversation. I know so many of my friends have your book on their bookshelf now, and we've all talked about your book. And you know, it's something that I will definitely love to just pass down to my future daughter or my future son. You know, it's it's something that it holds a lot of value, honestly. Halwa, and your your words are very soothing. Your voice is very soothing. Just the, your aura. I don't know if anybody's noticed, but like I was very calm in this episode. It just everything just came to me naturally subhanallah so I, I can't thank you enough for your presence
1: alhamdulillah thank you so much dunya i just wanted to say that i'm grateful for you and for the things that you're doing in the world i think anybody who probably knows you would be aware of the depth of your heart the sincerity the, the genuine gentleness and like thank just you, so. you know you have this like passion and excitement that's like mm-hmm. just deep sincerity and, and love and i think when people live life like that they're not always understood for the expansiveness of their heart. They're not always understood for their depth. And I just want to say, like, Allah Allah gets you. He sees you. He loves you. And it's like the things that you're doing in this world, they really matter. I think it really matters to have these conversations. And I'm just grateful that you, I mean, every interaction I've had with you is like, just like totally generous and kind. <laughs> yeah. and you've been just so sweet and just Likewise. like really, really, I- really, really feel that light that comes from you. And I'm just so grateful for it. It's been like, I know you can't see my face, but it's been like, so nice to just see your face and see the way that you you just have this depth. And not everybody has the scuba gear to get to where you're at. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think that I'm just, yeah, I'm just really grateful for that. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Honestly, it's, it's beautiful the way Allah works, subhanAllah. Like you said, how at certain moments in your life, you cross paths with people and it, it was just like, wow, I needed this. And this was a conversation I needed. You know, not everybody's been having the best of, you know, their lives are not the best. Everybody's struggling. This was a very, like this week, I really struggled a lot. And I, I just, this conversation has really calmed my heart. SubhanAllah, it really, really did. But I love these conversations and I hope anybody out there who is also struggling with whatever they may be struggling with, inshallah, this also calmed their heart. And inshallah, you, you know, tonight, kneel in prayer in sujood a little bit longer and just spill all your worries onto the prayer mat. And no matter what, Allah, they will always reach Allah. All your da'as, all your prayers, everything will always reach Allah. Even the words that, like I said, just are nestled beneath your tongue, like Allah can translate your heart and what's inside your heart. So I truly hope this gives hope to people and just you stay guided and inshallah, your family stay healthy. And I Like I said, thank you, Halwa, for everything. You're just an incredible soul, a beautiful
1: soul. Thank you. Thank you so much.